Hey, all you intrepid architects out there. If you believe design can change the world, then you've found your humans here on this show, Architecting. My name is Angela Mazzi, and I'm an architect and career coach who's figured out how to live my passion while claiming a successful architecture career and lifestyle. This show is about the architect as a person and will help you bypass the status quo traps in our profession while teaching you how to make an impact in your career. We need to stand in our power as architects and use our skills to make great places. If you're with me, let's get architecting. architecting. Today, I want to focus on the dynamics of team personalities. Now, if you have worked in a business setting for any length of time, I'm sure you have taken some kind of personality assessment to determine your strengths and your weaknesses and your leadership style. And I'm going to talk today about the DISC profile because it is the one I'm the most familiar with and I have taken this test three different times so I've got a pretty good handle on how it works. And don't worry if you're not familiar with DISC, I think you'll still see that these tests do a pretty good job of identifying personality archetypes. And then those archetypes help you understand yourself, but also other people better. In the DISC world, D is the dominant personality, the give me the six o'clock news version of the story, the high level thinker, the director. I is the influencing personality still very much to the point what's the big picture but more about understanding how to motivate people to influence an outcome rather than feeling like they have to direct the outcome. S is the sensitive type. So S is all about the details but more on the emotional level. And how are people thinking and feeling? Are things working out or not? S's don't like conflict, but they also tend to be a little bit more reserved in speaking out or offering opinions. C is compliant and careful, extremely detail-oriented. These are your researchers many times. They are the process people. They are all about the system and the rules of engagement and doing things a certain way. They care about outcomes. They care about measurability. They care about the why behind things. Now, we all want to play together in the sandbox well. And while it is very comfortable if you are any one of those types, to be around people who are the same type as you because you get one another. You communicate in the same way. You value the same aspects of the work. It's also easy to see how if you had a 
company that was run by I's or a company that was run by C's, you could be a little bit tone deaf. You could start to have blinders on. And so while some aspects of the business might take off super quick because you're all in agreement and supporting one another and building one another, there are the other things that you weren't paying attention to that would eventually cause problems. And especially when we work on teams, more and more and more research has shown that diversity of opinions is key to innovation. And diversity of personality types is a good thing too. It's a way of making sure that we are looking at something from all the angles and valuing everything that is part of what goes into it. Because let's face it, it's not just about producing the thing, making the design. It's about those who will be experiencing and using it in the future. So if all the D's got together and made this great project, but half the people using it were not D's, probably three quarters, right? Maybe they missed something important that these other personality types needed to have for the space to really work for them. But not only do you want the diversity in order to get the most innovative outcome, but you want the most effective one because you're going to have diversity in the people that use the spaces you design. I think we can all be on the same page that that makes sense. People are different. There's value in getting a wide variety of points of view. There's different strengths. And so we think it is going to be super easy. Well, just give everyone the roles that correspond to their strengths. Everyone will be a high performer and all is well. Sometimes that happens. And when it does, that's awesome. But team building is about a lot more than just trying to guess someone's personality type and giving them corresponding roles. It's also about how the team communicates with one another. And that's where things get tricky because your more outspoken personality types are going to voice their opinion and to the more reserved personality types, it's going to come across as a decision, not a brainstorm. They're going to feel shut down and like they were left out of the equation. This can create a somewhat unfair feeling for the D's and the I's that my God, no matter what I do, I'm offending these people. I feel like I can't be myself. I feel like I have to walk on eggshells because me just being me is apparently offensive. And I know as someone who is not just a D, but a really high D, that this is a challenge and you can feel really misunderstood so much of the time, as well as a little bit inauthentic because 
you can't just relax into being who you are. On the flip side, though, think of all those S's and C's who maybe feel a little bit resentful, like no one sees them and no one hears them, and that the loudest voices are taking up all the air in the room. They feel mistreated too. They feel like the only way I'm going to be successful is if I'm inauthentic, force myself to offer opinions even when I don't feel comfortable. And that can create a lot of stress. It's hard, right? And we all have to be very conscious and very aware. And in that being aware, we're having to be hypervigilant. And that can be a little bit exhausting, which is why you'll often see communication break down and teams dissolve when everybody's under a lot of stress because we just don't have the bandwidth at that point for that level of hypervigilance and consciousness and the empathy and energy that it takes to be emotionally intelligent. And we explored this in Instagram and one of the lives I did this week, how emotional intelligence means rising above the situation, almost like you are in a little bubble. And that means, yes, you're out of your own body too. And you're not internalizing anything. You're actually focusing on every person, on their body language, on their spoken words. And you're trying to not only hear the content of what they're saying, but also get a sense of the emotions that are behind it. Does this person sound angry or frustrated? Do they sound passionate or inspired? Do they sound bored? And then from that emotionally intelligent place, you're not only getting outside of your own bad self here and being more attuned to other people, but you're also now thinking about what you can do or say that's going to best draw that person out. So if they're angry or frustrated, empathize with that and encourage them to talk about what they feel isn't working. If they seem hesitant or closed off, you're going to try to ask them more questions and see if you can get them to feel more comfortable as you work one-on-one -on -one with them or ask for their opinion in surfacing their thoughts. If they seem bored or disengaged, you might ask them what they would suggest to improve the process or what they would like to take on or what would be a good match for them so that they're engaged and accountable. All of these things mean that you're not thinking about yourself. And that is very hard for human beings to do because we live in our world. We perceive things through our filters. And those filters 
can cause us, whether we intend to be or not, to be very, very self-interested. And it's instinctual. Survival is our instinct. But there's a difference between surviving and thriving. Surviving isn't about you winning or being right. Instead, it's about getting other people to be their best selves. It's what we care about in our buildings. It's what's part of our calling to be world changers. But I'm not going to get somebody on board to change the world with me if they don't know, like, and trust me. I'm not going to get somebody on board to change the world if they feel too timid to voice their opinion. I'm not going to get somebody to change the world with me if they don't believe it's possible. As we think about mission-driven work, we all are called in some way to lead. And leading doesn't look like what you see in the movies. Leading doesn't look like absolutes so that you're right or you're wrong. It's good or it's bad. And I'm going to make a judgment and that's the end of the story. And there's no repercussion for the decisions that I've made. We just keep going. Life never works that way. You know it and I know it. When we say or do anything, it lives forever. Some people internalize it and find it inspirational and meaningful. Other people hear it and feel afraid or intimidated. Still other people tune it out entirely. How do we move the needle from the people who tune us out or resent or block us out? We have to do it by meeting them at their level and communicating to them in the way that they understand. And once we draw them out, once we get to know each other, once we've built a solid team, we can relax a little bit then into being who we are with no filters. But first, we have to get there. Let's start caring less about the how and more about the why. Let's start lighting fires for other people and letting them carry those torches because that platform is so much bigger. That message is so much more impactful when other people care about it too. And they're not going to take it the same way as you would. They're not going to do the same things as you would. They're going to find their own way to express it. And you know what? The people that they reach are the ones that you wouldn't have been able to. Even if you could clone yourself and send an army of yous out there to preach and evangelize your mission and your message, they wouldn't be nearly as effective as a hundred different voices, each speaking in their own language. That will reach 
exponentially more people and amplify and amplify and amplify. So remember, it is your decision whether or not you want to put the effort into communicating to be a good leader. But ultimately, if you put your mission first, if you put your why before your ego, it will pay dividends beyond your wildest dreams. You will have made such a difference. That's you. One year in the future, making an impact. Five years in the future, having even a bigger impact. Ten years in the future, being able to look back at a body of work and the way that it has made people's lives better. All because you let go of the reins. You communicated to people in their way to understand it. And then you let your message be their message. You allowed the mutations. You allowed the adaptations. And because of that, not in spite of it, it reached and resonated with even more people. Let's challenge ourselves to do this even when it's hard, even when it feels unnatural. You go be a world changer. I want to tell you about this great new digital course that I am developing. I'm going to be launching it in late July of this year, and it is all about how to be a subject matter expert so that your vision, your mission can be laser-focused, as impactful as possible, and can bring you the opportunities you need, whether it's promotion or your salary or your role, to really put a megaphone to your message and get it out there and start making an even bigger difference than you are today. If you're interested in being a founding member, I have five spots available at a 50% discount just for being an early adopter and giving me some feedback on some of the content refinement. So I am taking applications for founding members through mid-June. Like I said, I have five slots open and you will get a 50% discount. This class is going to go for $4.97, so you could get this significantly cheaper than that and it is going to be worth every penny and I guarantee you are going to see not only your career take off, but you're going to start to see the impact that you're having in the world in a positive way if you take this class. So you're going to want to do that. Stay tuned. But if you want to be a founding member, send me an email, Angela at architectingpodcast.com and grab one of these five slots while they're still available. All right, everyone. Take care. We'll see you next time. Thanks for being part of this episode of Architecting. If you enjoyed the show, join our community on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn to keep up with what's in the show pipeline, including a behind-the-scenes look at my architecture lifestyle. Feel free to share your content ideas. Love to hear your feedback. 
You can also visit architectingpodcast.com to download free career content and learn about my classes, book, and coaching programs. Until next time, stay inspired. (laughs) 